How's it going, guys? I'm Zeke. And I'm Jake. And you're listening to the Cinema Sideshow Podcast, episode 31. 31. 31. Oh, well, on top 30. of it. How are you, Jake? I'm all right. Are we joined by someone? Is someone else in the room? I don't know, because Ooh. I forgot to... What was that? Whoa. <laughs> what was going on? It's the uh, ghost of Jack, past, present, and now. I'm Jack, I'm Jack now. Yay! Jack Hi, Jack. Bet. You're back. Jack's back. I like how he claps for himself. <laughs> Someone's <laughs> got to. Oh. No, how are we doing, boys? I'm not bad. I'm yeah. not bad. Right. Sort of cruising. Yeah. Bit late. This is this podcast yeah, coming in typical last minute we, podcast well, now. We, we've recorded late before. I'm not used yeah. to the podcast anymore. I'm, I'm like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, you haven't been here since Toy Story 4. That was the last time. You I don't even remember show. seeing Toy what, Story yeah, 4. What's, what episode was that? 23? Never fails. Yeah. Yeah, because 21 was Detective Pikachu. Wow. And then, I can't believe that's out on DVD now. Yeah, we saw it today on Blu-ray. I was like, oh, what's going on? It's a good on? movie. Haven't seen it. Wait, oh, you actually have it? No, I watch it on Netflix or something when it comes out. I don't want to buy it because it's like, like So you bought the mask movie. today, but you chose to uh, buy the mask, hey, but hey, not uh, to buy... Excuse me, I bought the mask for mm. him. Okay. That's Listen, not debate the fact that I didn't pay for his The coffee. mask <laughs> is the best Jim Carrey movie. Fuck Oh, the mask is amazing. There's like 30 other Jim Carrey movies that are better. I love the mask. I used to watch it Truman on repeat. Show, man. Truman Show is like a real ass movie. Like <laughs> the mask is like I always thought the Truman Show was a show. You are an idiot. No, <laughs> no not, not that I always thought it, but like when I first heard about the Truman Show, is I was it like, not? Oh, it's it's like a late night comedy. Thing. I think that's the kind of the is that what the movie's about? No, have you not seen the Truman Show? I've not. Wow, it's I about, think we've got to do the Truman Show one. Episode. It's about uh, Jim Carrey living inside like a. Sitcom almost, like not even like a sitcom, like a. So what? It, yeah, what it is is it's uh, Jim Carrey is um, he's born literally into being the star of his own show. Like they they set up the show that they follow this child from like childbirth, and everyone in the world is a like manufactured character for this guy. But then he starts to figure it out, and he starts writing his own s- storylines and shit. Yeah, this is, and he tries to escape. It's a really kind of crazy. How concept. have I not known like any of this? Yeah, I don't know. That's crazy. I only watched it maybe a year ago. To be okay, fair, okay, okay. So I can loan it to you. It didn't quite crack your three sixty five challenge. No, no, it was late last year. Are you year, even though. doing that anymore? Yeah, I do them occasionally. <laughs> I'm not. I, we've talked about it. That if Jake and I get to three sixty five oh, yeah. collectively, that'll be pretty cool. <laughs> a collective bitch. That's a bitch move right there. Yeah, that's what. This is the movies that are, it, I'm going to go for it next year, dude. This next year, so you've fun. exhausted your supply. You can't try it this year and then try it next year. You've watched too many movies. You're in too deep. That's not true. No, I've it watched is. about 150 films. But you, got you two... also have like, you've skipped easy films like what Goonies, ET, all these easy. Yeah, I'm films. saving them for next year. Ooh. Oh, now we're saving them for next year. <laughs> Putting in the deposit for next year. Well, I've put I've already put it out there. I'm watching Jaws for the first time ever tomorrow. That's insane yeah. to think Bro, that. How haven't you seen it? I don't know. I generally don't know. Well, what's a film on it's your like blacklist? Like. Uh, name films that everyone's seen that I haven't seen. Uh, name films that everyone's seen. I feel like I've... Jake... I don't know. Eh? Oh, I haven't seen Spirited Away. I bought that today. Apparently everyone's seen that, but... Oh, there we go. Yeah. There we go. Just, that's barely... That's like a fucking... That's not... Is it recommended to you? That doesn't count. It's recommended by a live studio audience. <laughs> <laughs> the girl sitting next to me. <laughs> no, um... I mean, what have you guys watched the last couple of weeks, you know? Oh, what have I watched in the past fucking two months since I've been on the show? I'm trying to remember when the voice story. <laughs> well, I guess I could fact check. so long, Jack. I could technically fact check this the last time you were on. I don't know. It's definitely Toy Story. No, it was definitely Toy Story. No, but have you watched anything last week of note, Jack? 
24th of June, by the way. Damn. Your last show. Two months almost. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've, I've started watching Mindhunter on Netflix. That's the David Fincher. Literally in the last 24 hours, everyone's talking about A new season came out yesterday. I know, but like in the last 24 hours, I never even heard of the show. I I didn't hear about it until I saw the trailer for season two, and I was like, fuck. And I started watching it. So good. Imagine if they made Seven into a TV show. What's it about? It's about... It's a true story about two FBI agents who, like, first discovered that serial killers were a thing. Like, right in the era where serial killing became, like, a thing that... A new thing. Mm -hmm. And they were the guys who were, like, sort of given the job to, like... Figure out the men, like the psychoanalytical side of it, where they're like, they they like you. You're a new division of the FBI. You figure out why serial killers do what they do, and it's really interesting. It's there's not a lot of action. It's just guys. What's the time period that they're looking of seventies. It's right after Charles Manson, but mm. uh, but it's it's just them. It's just guys walking to a, a prison, sitting across a table with a serial killer and just talking to them. And the whole episode is just them talking to them. But it's so interesting. And it's you feel real smart. I like, I like the pitch of it. Sounds like the most love, mundane thing. Ever I love <laughs> shit that's boring. My favorite movie, fucking Social Network. I love movies about people just talking and not doing anything. No, that's fair. But what then about, you would just. I guess we'll what, get into that later. I suppose. Yeah. I mean, the film this week is probably very relevant to that sort of uh, plodding along sort of situational. But anyway, we'll talk about that later in the show. What about you, Jake? I watched. I watched a couple of things in the last week. I watched Good Night and Good Luck. Oh, Which is, uh, speaking about movies that are just about talking. Oh, yeah. yeah pretty much. I mean, yeah. oh, I mean, you guys haven't seen it, though, have you? No, I never. I, I was interested when I saw the first, like, few frames of the movie. But then we watched frames. a scene. Because I like black and white, and I like I liked the aesthetic of it. Oh, yeah. But mm-hmm. then the more I watched I was like, holy fuck, this looks so fucking boring. Uh, okay, look, because this is a 2005 film directed by George Clooney. Well, yeah. And he's also in it. And um, you have, like, Robert Downey Jr. in it. Um, Daniel, Jeff Daniels is in it. Um, I always, I kept, I always kept blanking on his name because I think of Jeff Bridges, mm-hmm. and every time I see Jeff Daniels, I always think like he's not Jeff Bridges, but he's someone vastly, like, vastly different looking people. Yeah. My, I know, but I guess because they have the same name, I guess. Yeah, burns my brain. But anyway, no. So it's like a, it's a good cast, and I actually found the first half very interesting. Mm-hmm. And it is um this kind of it, it very it very much feels like an authentic like nineteen fifties movie, and I guess that's why it's in black and white. Yeah, uh, and partly into and as well as like the performance, the way it's written, very much is like we want you to kind of feel like this came out in the fifties, mm-hmm. uh, more so. Um, like I mean, this is a bit of a stretch, but like the other side of the wind, you watch that and you're like, yeah, this feels like it was shot in the sixties. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was. Yeah, well, partly, yeah. Um, but it kind of feels more like that, and a little less like I guess like the founder, mm-hmm. which you know, even though that takes place in I think fifties and like past that, but. You, it's very much like this is a contemporary film because yeah. it's shot in color and shot in this, um, and like everything about it is like mm-hmm. yeah, it was made very recently, but it's about this time period. So it's very much like no, we want to feel a bit more authentic with that. And okay. I thought the first half was quite interesting. Um, I think it starts to lean towards a bit too much archival footage, and it, it just loses me. So I think V actually kind of right, Jack, in the sense that it does get a bit really boring. boring. <laughs> it got nominated for a shit ton of awards though. Would that have been Clooney's like first big directing movie or what? It would have been close. Descendants was wasn't too far after that where he actually was won. The, goodbye and good like well that was two thousand five. Descendants was like twenty ten or eleven or something. Okay. Might have been Descendants, Descendants wasn't directed by him, was it? Yeah. No, wasn't sure? that directed by the guy that did Sideways or something? Oh, it was. Yeah, beg my pardon. Ah, he fuck. stars in a knowledge bomb right there. Knowledge bomb. Now, he Clooney did like, Ides of March. Yeah, which would have, probably would have been two thousand and eight, I guess. Yeah. So that wasn't too far off, and he's in that too. Yeah. So, 
No, I, I mean that's that film just didn't click with me. Didn't reach it. No, it didn't. No. Did nothing uh, for me. Yeah, it was. It was. I, I'm a. I'm a pretty good fan of like contemporary sort of black and white films too, as I've Ed talked Wood. about quite a bit on. Yeah, Edward was definitely coming on it's off the top of my head. Uh, criminally underrated, I reckon. Edward is. Yeah, yeah not Edward's a lot of people. Li- that's ninety. Ninety-one, I think. Yeah, that's like the Ed, the Tim Burton movie that no one ever talks about, but probably should get talked about a lot more. It's like, br- banger. Yeah. No, I... Banger. I'm trying to see if it was... I don't think it was his directorial debut. No, I wouldn't think it was. Well, I... I don't think they would let him do black and white for his first movie. The studio would be like, fuck no. You have to earn that. Mm. Studio was... Uh, Wikipedia's been a pain in the ass right now. Go to IMDb, you bitch. Here we go, director. I think his directorial debut was Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. I've heard that. uh, Good Night Good Luck was his second film. Okay. Um, I've heard the Dangerous Mind one. Who's in that Dangerous Mind one? I have no clue. Oh, thanks, mate. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I've just been checking right there for you sticking guys. with a series-based um, shows generally. Um, I've finished. I'm fully up to date now with BoJack Horseman, yeah, which I've gay. talked about in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, Jack is um, not a fan. No, Jack is not a fan. <laughs> I he's a, he's tries too hard. Um, okay, but what do you mean by that? Like, like the main the main character is a horse. Yes. It's trying too hard. You've already tried too hard. Because <laughs> your main character's a horse. What are you talking about? I'm curious. Let's what put a that? horse in serious, depressing, and make him super depressed and put him in depressing situations. But, that's funny. But I, I don't understand why I'm I'm trying to understand what you mean by it's I just said the main hard. guy is a horse. Yeah. Is this not getting through to anyone? The main guy yeah, is so a horse. Okay, but he's like, watched half an episode. <laughs> I watched a no. whole episode and a half. Thank you very much. Okay. okay um, now he's changing his story. <laughs> no, but there are shows that... So does that mean like everything that we watch that has animal-based characters is trying too hard? Name another one. You know, think Rick and Morty tries a little too hard sometimes? Sometimes it really does. But not all the time. Well, not all the time because sometimes... Rick and... I don't... Rick and Morty doesn't have a fucking horse as the main character just because it's quirky. Yeah, but it's a bunch of aliens and... Yeah, but that, just, that show just feels yeah. like a guy being like, and fuck it, this happens. Oh, and fuck it, this happens. Fuck it, this happens. Bojack Horseman's like, we gotta be like artistic and shit with this. Yeah. We gotta okay. try real hard. Well, I mean, I, 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 I'm inclined to disagree with you. I think the, the show, well, for I'm the most part... I'm to disagree with you. Well, I think for the most part, it's a, a pretty strong show. I, I have talked about in previous weeks, I think the fourth season was quite weak. Um, I, mean, compared... I mean, this is the first time, because I don't think we talked about it last Okay, time. well, um, I do think the fourth season loses itself a bit, and it's a little bit too on the nose. I think it gets its steam back in the fifth season. Okay. Um... But that fourth season is just a bit of a struggle. Um, and I, I, in talkings with like Rick and Morty, because obviously we're only a couple months out from Rick and Morty coming back, right? Oh, Forgot that show existed. Yeah. yeah. Who cares anymore? <laughs> like we loved that show, and then we just stopped caring. <laughs> well, I mean, I've been. I, I literally last night restarted watching Community on the Dan. You know, we're talking about Dan Harmon. I was a the... fan of Community that much. Why is that? Just too American. That's that's, that's too... an interesting... I don't like American. TV comedies or a lot of American comedies in general. Yeah, I guess you never really talk about them. Yeah, watch The Office, like the US. Yeah, and I, I we try to get Jada into it because I, I everyone loves it, and I remember liking it when I was younger. But then we tried to rewatch a bunch of episodes, and I was like, it's not, re- it's just not really f- funny. <laughs> I like a br- a British humor to me is just I saw- every other kind of humor to me besides American is a bit less on the nose. I guess I'm I'm half and half because there are British comedies that I like. But not all of them. For, ex- for instance, I don't mind the IT crowd, and it has good moments in it. 
but it's never been the show that, you know, or black books, like those sort of shows. I never right, put yeah, them on yeah. that sort of pedestal like some people do. And I, I do enjoy American ones, but I don't enjoy all American comedies. I think there's a formula of American comedy, like the shouty, screamy humor. I yeah, don't I like. hate that shit. Like, when uh, the joke is just say it really loudly, you know? Yeah. Like, shows sometimes can get really lazy with it. I know Bazinga. That, yeah. Well, like, uh, yeah, yeah see things like Big Bang Dude, Theory. Big Bang Theory, or... HBO Max wants to buy Big Bang Theory, the streaming rights to it, for $1 billion. $1 billion to have exclusive streaming rights on the Big Bang Theory, which is a shit show that ended already. And they're a billion fucking dollars. I mean, it had it's 10 seasons, though. I know, but it's trash. It's amazing how it shifted, though, American comedy, because if you go back and, like, a couple of weeks ago I talked about I started watching Friends, there's not a lot of that oh, screamy so humour. It's, it's quite sharp humour. It's very sharp. But maybe what you're talking about is you don't like modern-day American comedy But when you're saying that because those... I mean, yeah. I like I love Friends. I love older shit. Even, like, old American comedy movies are, like, considered classics. But a yeah. lot of the new movies that come out, like, boy, Good Boys, I'm not going to watch that because it just seems like, say fuck, it's funny, you know? Yeah, what do you think about that, Jake? That, that, no. I'm kind of excited for Good Boys. Because of the good reviews? No, every, every time I see the trailer, I'm like, this looks kind of fun dumb. No, it looks awful. Mm. I'm usually a harsh critic on fun dumb. Ooh, I, fun dumb. I, this one isn't selling me. Um, well, I'm just amazed. I'm just, and I'm curious because it's certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, and I, I don't see from the trailer how it could be. Well, it's interesting because like the first thing someone compared this to is Superbad, but we just watched Booksmart. It's written by the same dude. Definitely more clever film than Booksmart. So wait, if that's, wait, wait, if that's female Superbad, then is Good Boys like child Superbad? Is is, no, isn't yeah, it, I guess so. isn't Good Boys is made by the same dudes that made Superbad. Yeah, it's almost like a soft yeah, reboot like, of it. They're like ten years old, and the cast is ten years younger. Yeah, <laughs> I can't. I think Superbad is better than Booksmart. Ooh, that's a. Um, I think I disagree. But Superbad is so smart. This is it's so authentic. Is what I'm, it's so, such <laughs> an authentic movie. No, I tell. No, well, I I do tell people because I was talking to someone. Um, we'll get into the show, but I remember when I watched the film last night. We'll get into that mm-hmm. um, with Mel and the good. Boys trailer was on, and I and I mentioned I was talking about the comparison to Booksmart and everything, and she said she hadn't seen Superbad, and my response to that always is that I think it actually is quite culturally relevant for the time. You're right. I think two thousand and seven. Yeah, but two thousand and seven, it's quite an authentic, interesting film that I, I think people should actually watch. I don't know yeah, how it would translate the way it comments on the two thousand and seven. Like, but I don't know how it would translate like to uh... being high school in two thousand and seven sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I don't, hmm? I don't know how much of the movie is predicated on like your enjoyment is relied on the fact that you were also a teenage guy going out well, getting drunk because i was obviously like what several years too young yeah but you probably watched it when you were 15 right or did you watch it way before then uh no i didn't watch it too early i can't remember when i watched it yeah. i definitely was closing in on that age gap probably a couple of years out because i feel like a lot of the enjoyment is that people around like i had friends who were similar archetypes to those kind of people and every high school student went out and had, like got drunk, and like there was like always like a party on the weekend that people wanted to go to but and that's stuff. That's what so I mean. Like, like for two thousand and seven, I feel like even if you weren't in that age demographic at that time, it's still kind of close enough you can. What sort it, of get well, it it almost carried the that sort of mantle between like Superbad and Booksmart. So it's like the the ten years between the film that was the film to go to if you're a teenager to watch. Yeah. Just as probably ten years earlier, it was American Pie. Yeah. You know, that like, which is probably, you know, the, I think that's 98 American Pie, like 97, 98. 98. Sure. Yeah. And that would have been the film before Superbad that then, carried that generation of definitely people. watch American Pie now and be like, this is bad. <laughs> yeah. Superbad's probably, that's probably going to be a point where people watch Superbad, like maybe like five years when people are turning 
15 or something they watch super bad and they're just like i don't get it why don't they just fucking text each other on their phones or like why aren't they sending emojis to each other I, Booksmart, I, 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 Booksmart, I, I, Booksmart feels like a more modern super bad to me i feel like i watched both well, yeah, american yeah. pie and super bad and relatively like close together and i probably enjoyed american pie more maybe because it was so otherworldly at this point because okay. it's like so, well yeah, the, the, the the idea of like a dial-up internet streaming like wow and it's like two megapixels, and you got people coming. I don't know. It just seemed more fun than like it. It wasn't my like sense of humor. But then another one of the trailers that played before the movie that we're going to talk about later in the show was uh, Zombieland Two. Banger. Oh, and I yeah. would love to gauge both your responses on on the trailer uh, itself. Well, on the trailer yourself. On uh, should there have the been a second movie? one? I think the trailer. The, one. the trailer doesn't do anything for me. Like out of context, mm-hmm. if I watched that trailer, I'd be like, eh. Because I don't really laugh in it. It's not really got that much of an impact on me. But just the fact that it's Zombieland 2, no matter what they put out, I, I would be excited to see it because I love Zombieland 1. I'm, I'm scared, actually, watching that trailer yesterday. Doesn't it feel... There was, there was some real comedy, like... Yeah, tropes. St- tropes. It feels very, like, generic comedy. Like, oh, and now... Like, the first one felt... Even though it was based on the apocalypse, it felt more real and grounded. And, like... But this one's mm. like, oh, but now we have luke wilson as other tallahassee and the nerdy guy who's kind of like jesse eisenberg and it's like this feels more like american yeah, comedy see me too. yeah or even having that with girl the, with the twin there is oh, that a thing girl? Oh, like the in the new trailer the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. bimbo girl that feels like okay this just feels more like a generic comedy to me but i'm she, hoping that's I think just she's the, the girl from like everybody wants some like yeah she uses to go off everything oh okay like, literally everything now but it does it did it, it definitely when i watched you love every movie with her in it you don't realize oh, it, but you always recommend movies, that, and she's always the girl in those movies. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Even Jada's noticed it. She's. We watched. We were watching a movie, and I was like, "Oh, Zeke likes this movie. I don't remember what movie it was." He's like, "Yeah, he likes it because that girl was in it." And like, she's in every single movie you recommend. <laughs> I gotta check her the name. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. that even more that you don't even know who it is. Really. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. That's amazing. No, I, I'm actually scared because watching that trailer, oh, it didn't scary. do anything for oh. me, and there were a lot of comedy sort of like tropes in there that make it sort of like oh, oh we could be like like a sequel sort of well they thing. just yeah they're literally just churning it out because people have been asking for zombie land 2 for it's so long years, hasn't it yeah uh, yeah yeah 2009 he took a break to, to direct venom the same director oh, jesus christ <laughs> does, does that not give you hope yeah no. uh i also watched zoe Deutsch. yeah i'm i did i just like that they had the cast back that's my thing. Clearly, yeah. I like. actually got the whole cast. They back. got like same writers, same director, Maybe I same just cast. Really like her acting, guys. Just righto, cool. <laughs> anyway, I watched it. I watched another movie. What'd you watch? So I watched this movie because I watched I watched the Fire Doc again because it's a banger of a doc. Oh yeah, yeah. And then I looked up what this guy had done like previously, mm-hmm. and I found a doc from 1998 called American Movie that he had. It was one of his first like I think it might have been his first feature, but don't quote me on that. But uh, everyone quote him. On everyone quote me on that. Uh, it's a basically a movie. It's I I love documentaries about filmmaking. I mm-hmm. feel like we've all gone through a rabbit hole and try to watch them all. This one is about a guy in like redneck America who is making a film. I think it's a short film, and basically this dude just follows his journey in making this film. And if I didn't tell you it was a documentary, you would assume it was a mockumentary because these characters really? are so perfectly just like they're just they're smart enough where it's like. They think what they're saying is real and like they're not like belligerent or anything, but they're just stupid enough where they don't realize that they look like assholes or idiots on screen. American movie. Oh, American it. movie. What's it on? It I, on? I bought it on YouTube. Oh, okay. For, for, I think I have it on my account. I'll just let you, you can, you can just watch buy it. Movies on Netflix. Oh, not Netflix. 
I buy everything on YouTube. YouTube. So easy. But yeah, it's it, like there's just it's just funny because it's like this guy making his movie. There's like an old guy, his uncle. He goes into his trailer and like extorts him for money. Like on, in the movie, like he goes up and the old man clearly has no idea what's going on. He's so old. Like I think he died right after they finished making the documentary. Oh, okay. And this guy's just going in and being like, "You got to give me money, man. Give me three grand right now. This movie's gonna make a profit. You'll get it right back." He's like extorting money out of the. There's a scene where they're in the bank together. And the old man's like, I don't know what's going on. And the guy's like, just tell her you want to take out $3,000. Like, he's like, almost like just forcing this guy to give up his money. And really? the old man's like, I don't want to this do sounds that. sounds cool. I want to watch this. And he's like, yeah. And his friend is just like, clearly has like an IQ of two. And like, he's like, there's like, he talks about how he had like an acid trip one time that resulted in him having like a stroke. And now his brain's all messed up. <laughs> and he's just like an idiot. And he's just like, yeah, I like making movies with them. And then his laugh is just like, ha, 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 ha. Okay, like I gotta so, watch this film. I'll let, I'll let you log into my YouTube and you can just watch it straight off my YouTube account. Okay. I will definitely but it's such that. a, it's such, it's not even like laugh out loud comedy. It's more just like, it's very like, very subdued comedy where you're just like, mm. the situation is just like, what the fuck? It's, and, uh, and they, uh, they have a scene where they throw a guy's head through a cupboard, but they, they sort of scorn like the one side of the cupboard and cut it up. So it's easy to go through. But they don't do it deep enough, so they're just jamming this guy. He's like, at the end of the scene, the guy is knocked out, covered in blood, because he's just like, how hard they've tried to get him through this cupboard. They're really? literally throwing him through a kitchen cupboard. It's really interesting. It's a bit insane. I, the movie <laughs> is... The sound of it, yeah. it, it sounds it's, awesome. It's good. There's a documentary, you mentioned that, a documentary about about people making a movie. Yeah. And there's one, I'm trying to find the name of it now, because it came up in my recommended, and I was, I kind of, I ended up watching Inglorious Bastards instead. I really can't remember the name, but it was like this young girl um, who was trying to make a movie and I think like her teens and it was very, very, very much like, oh, her friends are coming together to do this little thing she wrote. And then the guy who was directing it basically just stole the footage and left. Ah, banger. And that guy's name was Steven Spielberg. <laughs> and the movie was called Jaws. <laughs> like I watched the trailer. I was like, this is intriguing as shit. And I can't remember. The name of the, the docker is the name of the movie yeah. they're making. It was like one word. I think it starts with S. I know I'm terrible. But well, I will try and watch in time for next week. I I uh, I'm linking to uh, what Jack was talking about about filmmaker documentaries. Yeah. I want to throw one back at you now. I may have told you about this a very long time ago. What do you love? Um, and it's on Netflix right now. And okay. I'll throw it to both of you. Um, and it reminded me when you were talking about this guy who's like throwing a dude in the cupboard. And it's called a Grey State. Um, I haven't even I haven't heard of that. Yeah, I might have talked to both of you off the podcast about this before, but I'll say it to us and the viewers. Um, so it's about a dude who is making a film and he gets a fair amount of budget. But what it does is it hooks you with uh, he actually kills his uh, daughter and his it's wife in real life. Yeah, it's a documentary. Hey, eh? talking about him making this film and what's it called? An adventure, a grey state. Um. And it's, it was, obviously it has that hook where it's like, it starts off with, it feels like a film, like about, like a documentary about a dude making a film. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, it sort of takes this turn where it's like, oh yeah, and he killed his wife and his daughter. And this is what, like the, the events leading up to that moment. It's on Netflix. I both like you to check it out. It's so a, it sounds kind of like the, the documentary, the, 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 uh, the staircase. You watched that nope. one? It was a big deal. I started watching it. I haven't, I haven't gotten. It actually is. I was wondering. Oh, I only started watching it to figure out why it was called the staircase. And it's basically just like a dude who's like a, he's like a thick. I think he's got a little bit of notoriety. I don't know what he does, mm-hmm. but basically he says he's getting drunk one night and his wife falls down the stairs. And it's like a a series on Netflix where it's like where he's like he went his whole family just got put on blast for like five years during the investigation because they were pretty much convinced it's like they killed his wife. Mm-hmm. So it's like the same sort of thing where it's like a, a death sort of sends him down a rabbit hole of like 
conspiracies and yeah, you, I really would ch- check it out because it was something I just started. Is one it of those a film? Things. It's a film. It's a documentary. It's like a not, not, not a okay, cool. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's one of those things where it's like you know when you just browsing through Netflix and you're like I'm looking for a documentary and then I clicked on it. And then it does that thing in the first 10 minutes that keeps you around for the whole thing. Have you seen that? There's another filmmaking documentary called... Uh, Tartakovsky made Samurai Jack, didn't he? You would know that, right? Or is it... No, I don't want oh, to just, Okay, it's not Tartakovsky, but it's some, it's some name like that. Like, mm-hmm. not the Samurai Jack guy, some other guy. You know the film Dune that Denise Villeneuve is doing right now? Based on the novel Dune? Yes. Well, there's a documentary out, and it's like three and a half hours long, about this guy... Oh whatever Skofkovsky who was trying to make a version of Dune he made he directed the, a movie called The Holy Mountain okay. which is this fucking terrible arts film but oh we've got film fucking pretentious people love it yep uh, and he was like he's like I'm going to adapt the movie of the wait book. is it called A Cold Mountain the co- or the- a Holy Mountain Holy Mountain The Holy okay. Mountain it's, and it's basically he, he was like the documentary's like I think it was like the 80s or the 70s and it was it, it's such a cool documentary because it's like I'm a filmmaker and it's like the 80s, there's no technology. I'm going to go out and find the best possible filmmakers who can help me bring this to life. Mm-hmm. And it almost feels like an Avengers move, a, a moment where it's like putting together a team. He like he, he, He's like, I found this weird French filmmaker who made this two-second film called Bounce, which is just a fat guy bouncing. <laughs> and I got him involved and I thought he could do this. And then and he just has a fucking novel that's like, like 6,000 pages of just concept art. And all this insane stuff, and it's just like it's just like this weird German filmmaker being like, "I'm gonna make." He wanted to make it like six hours long. He's like, "I'm just gonna make this big epic film based off this book." Obviously, everyone is like, "Oh, they should have made it," but then no one would like that fucking film. A six-hour, a six-hour no. epic about the movie Dune, and it's like an art. It's like an art film where nothing makes any sense. He's he literally in the thing was like, "I didn't want it to make any sense." <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, Jake, did you catch anything else during the week? I did catch something else as well, actually. I watched the... And I feel like you alluded to this last week and we didn't get around to it. Okay. Uh, A specific trailer for a specific show, which I think we should talk Mm -hmm. about a little bit. Oh. Called 13 Reasons Why. Wait, is that out? Uh, The new trailer. The the, the show comes out next week. Next Friday. Yeah, oh, it's very, so we this gotta, Friday. Okay, you got to come back on the show next week, surely, to talk about that. But you want reasons. me to so watch all of it at once? Oh yeah, it's only eight episodes. Oh, it's thirteen it's episodes. <laughs> it's thirteen. Oh, that makes sense. I mean, we yeah, that'd maybe, be like three okay, weeks. Okay, well, when we all eventually get through it, we all can have a, we'll a panel oh, discussion. Maybe the about. week after next. Maybe. Yeah. We'll... Who killed Bryce Walker? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> what we should do? We should predict. have predictions. We should have little predictions. Um, because uh, we made a joke about this. We got two predictions each, right? Yeah, two predictions each. So we have a little uh, bet that we've decided because we bet. here at the Cinema Side Show mm. do love our bets. Oh, thanks, guys. Uh, I love losing my bets. <laughs> so <laughs> what was it? What was it? We decided what were our ground rules. You it get was two theories on mm. who killed Bryce Walker, <laughs> and then the what isn't like the, the the default theory for all of us is they introduce a new character right before the end, and he did it. No, I, I didn't. I, didn't I think that's the default one for all of us, isn't it? Uh, it? I feel like if that happens, we all it was, we all lose. It was <laughs> we all lose. The audience no, loses. You get an A theory, and if your A theory gets it right, oh, the other two boys owe you a. It's a, a jug, and if your B theory is right, Jesus. I, I reckon a not jug at once. Each. Not at once, obviously. No, and then if your B theory gets right, they owe you a pint. Yeah, each. Each of you owns a pint. So we have two pints or two jugs up for grabs. Someone's dying. <laughs> Someone, someone's having a great yeah, time. Yeah, Bryce Walker. Is so let's, let's go around the table. We all get our A. We'll do our B theories first. So what's okay, our secondary think. theory? 
my secondary theory is he ain't dead. He in a basement somewhere. Ooh, is he playing it safe with that one? Yeah, that's I've seen it happen in TV shows before. I think they're going to do that. I don't reckon we're going to see a body. But it's 13 reasons why I would probably show a body in the first two seconds, knowing them. So, Jake... What's um, your B theory? Right. This is a side. This is a side theory, not related. I think they, they're gonna at the end of the first episode they're gonna introduce tapes again. They're gonna do that whole thing again. Wah, wah. Um, my B suggestion is that, um, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember if it was similar to yours or not, with the if he was alive or not thing. Um, I don't know, because <laughs> my my A theory for sure. Is that Hannah Baker has travelled in time <laughs> to kill him in the future? Kill baby before Thanos. she kills herself in season one. That's my A theory. Okay. So if that doesn't happen, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be kind of pissed actually. So you're gonna play it safe Bro, and actually try and win something with the be... I don't think you've ever watched an episode of Thirteen Reasons Why. <laughs> so you're gonna actually have a guess for B because you want to win some jugs, um, uh, win some pints. No, that's I'm general. I'm genuinely that's my A theory. Like What's she travels be? through she literally, time. Literally, she travels in. So after in season one, I guess spoilers. Or for you season could, one. instead of saying she travels through time, she could have planned it before she died. She put C four under his house and. <laughs> With, like, a timer for, like, two years. <laughs> he just goes to bed Actually, one day. she could do something, I reckon. Like, plant something. She, that... ho- she called a oh, hit on him. no, we're serious about this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, You've ruined God. it. What's your That's... B theory? Tell me your B theory. No, we can get, we can get Zeke's B theory. My B theory? Yeah, we don't even... my A theory. Uh, he kills himself. Who killed Bryce Walker himself? That's a shit theory. Out of so, guilt. I'm going to play it off with the Hannah. Th- uh, hey, man. Out of guilt. guilt though? Did you not see that scene where he's grabbing his dick when he was talking about... Her? What? Well, she, in season one, there's like he's a dick in his pants. I but I'm, I'm trusting. I'm trusting one. on my A theory okay. to get me through because I think my, my A, a theory, theory is correct. I think mine is my A theory. I wanted to say Clay had split personality and Clay did it, but then everyone said that was a shit theory. So I'm going to say Monty did it. Monty did Monty? it. The guy that shoved the mop up that guy's ass. <laughs> he's got a history of violence. <laughs> Everyone in this show is a history of violence. So that guy shoved a mop up an ass and didn't it's a good care. Movie. Isn't there like a isn't there like a shot in the trailer where he goes up to little to, dweeb kid, right? Um, oh, he went up to oh he goes Tyler. Up, he goes up to Tyler. Why did you tell like, on oh, me? You told on me. And it's like no shit. You, you gave me splinters up. for like. Three I'm not going to get a mop up my ass and then not tell anyone. <laughs> All right, so Jake, um, do you want to throw your B out there now? Uh, okay, I guess I can be like, I can put. I guess what I, I predict. Um. I guess I'm call I'm calling at least two more deaths in this season. I don't know these people. Okay. No, you know what? I think um I'm gonna say Hannah Baker's mum killed Bryce. Oh well in Shrek's wife. And my <laughs> A theory is actually playing off Jake's one. Bryce I went to Shrek's swamp. I think <laughs> Bryce's mum killed Bryce. Oh, but no, but then Clay... Oh, but then that makes sense, because in the trailer, she's like, does anyone know anything? And she looks at Clay, and he looks at her. Maybe he knows, and she knows he knows. So she's and like, does I, anyone she know anything? she hates him, too. She kind of, like, low-key is afraid she's of like, him. does anyone know anything, you bitch? So I'm going to go with Bryce's mum kill Bryce. Oh, very good theories, lads. Very I'm good theories. I'm so angry that this is, like, a thing. Yeah. Like, they ran out of books to copy from, aren't so you... this is going to make the most... And then, aren't and... you angry that we're talking about it and, like, having fun theorising I mean, about it? I brought it well, up. This, this, so, no, yeah. but this brings up the debate. It's, like, because pretty general consensus with the show. There are people that do Sucks. actually like the show, but most people majoritively hate this show. <laughs> I thought you were talking about the Cinema Sideshow podcast. Oh, no, we are. Yeah. <laughs> Majority <laughs> hate this. Yet, everyone I know... 
is going to watch this show. Yeah, you're right. Because well, we're, we're reinforcing... The people that like it watch it because they think it's good. The people that don't like it watch it because they think it's really bad. <laughs> like, well, it comes back to two sides of the coin, right? I'm That's watching it problem. to laugh. Jada's watching it to enjoy it. <laughs> I like <laughs> it. All right. <laughs> Lost that argument quick. <laughs> All right. Well, um, we can bridge into career stuff and then into our movie of the week. Cool. Um, so as of today, I officially posted our first little... Uh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Our first little tease. Uh, so, uh, if you follow my Instagram on uh, uh, Zeke MH, I'm um, um, uh, uh, Jack Bet, and <laughs> I'm Jade. Yeah. Um, Good night, everyone. I put up. A, I chucked up a post <laughs> today. We had our first day of auditions for ZKJ's new short film, Hitched, and this one's quite special. Yay. Yeah, it is, it's quite special. It's quite special. It's probably the best script ever written. <laughs> That's what <laughs> I've heard. Because well, it's special because Jack and I have worked on many films together. Um, Unfortunately. Yeah. But this (laughs) is the first one. It's a road trip comedy, and it's the first one that is actually originally, the original idea came from Jack Bear. I wrote the first draft. (laughs) And then Zeke fixed it. (laughs) It is is co-written by Jack and I, which is pretty great because, you know, as both being partners. uh, In in, life and in crime. Yes. um, It's pretty amazing to... (laughs) actually have a script where we've written it together and collabed on it. And, I mean, there was another script, which I'm hopefully we'll get to talk about one day, that one we've been day. collabing for a while. But uh, we'll save that for the future. Right now we're doing this one. Road trip comedy. Uh, we're very much looking forward to it. We'll be shooting Exciting it shit. relatively soon. And uh, hopefully be bringing it to people by the end of the year, one way or another, hopefully. So one way or another. Auditions were interesting today. Good. I liked it. It was, a it lot was of surreal watching auditions. Yeah, this is your first time ever ever on auditions. Especially having written most of the lines yeah, they're saying. I'm just like, huh? Like, yeah. It was so weird. I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> I wrote that. <laughs> we get to work with a lot That's of sweet. people we've never worked with before um, that we've been probably pining to work with for ages, particularly mm. uh, our producer, James Mooney. Shout out. Who I've been talking to about working with for at least two years now. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, really good to finally actually have a... And thank God we're not working with Jake anymore. What? Hey! <laughs> yeah. Well, Jake came in and did to the line fair, reading I too. Did, I, I did some line reading and first AD. And you will be on set, yeah, so it really was stuck. Oh, yeah, and I have a potential, potential yeah. role. Exactly. Ooh. But we'll not, tease that for later. <laughs> pretty great role, though. It is a pretty great... I'm actually, so, uh, Jake, do you have anything to add before uh, we move into the second half of the show? Um, Not a lot. I'll just... Uh, in the past few weeks, I've been promoting it. I guess this will be the last time, because tomorrow, the Disconnected DVD finally releases uh, well, publicly. A, we've already got <laughs> our copies. Say publicly. <laughs> yeah, well, pu- no, because some some casting crew... Every house... Early copies. Every house owned by... Wait, what am I trying to say here? What every person in this house... Every person in this room this is has house, a copy man. in their house, when you think about it. Yes. That's technically true. Even the live audience all have a copy. <laughs> no worries. Well, but congratulations, it's, it's copy, yeah. Jake, on your first DVD release. Thank you, thank you. So uh, by the time you're listening yeah. to this, it will be available. It's called Reconnected by, no. by Shifter Productions. <laughs> Shifter Productions. Um, that is, it's uh, sitting in my DVD shelf. I'm sure it's sitting where Jack puts all of the dusty DVDs that aren't Blu-rays. No, in it's actually sense. in with the Blu-rays in my Aww. room. Aww. Yeah. You know what? I actually really appreciate that. Yeah. I, no, I know, I, know the kind of, I know the kind of collector Jack is. I put my DVDs in a box and hide them. 
<laughs> more specific, because I remember um, when I was sorting out my uh, Blu-rays a while back, and I have like those VHS tapes, like the you know the they're Blu-rays, but they're in the VHS. They're chunky and ugly. Mm. Chunky and ugly, but they you know nostalgia. Yeah. Um, and I I remember messaging you guys, being like, oh, like should I mix them in with the Blu-rays? Yeah. And Jack immediately was like, no. Don't do it. Looks ugly. So I actually kind of knowing that I actually really appreciate. But yours, it came. It just so happened it would fit right on the edge, so the height difference wasn't annoying to me. So you got lucky. And you got until, lucky until you buy like something that's like D or C or earlier. You got yeah, lucky yeah. by uh, you gave it you gave gave it to me the day I was reorganizing my Blu-rays. So I oh, it was like, fuck it, I'll just chuck it in there. there yeah, we're literally sitting in a lecture, and then like I'm gonna give you the disc, like I, I kind of. In a not so public space, so I don't kind of look like a dickhead. Like, hey, God, look at my dude. Wait, mate, I gave people. And then Jack just puts his hand out behind the that was, desk. That was a day of very undiscreet giving because even in class, I gave some people some shirts and they fucking made everyone aware of it. And I was like, fucking keep it on the down low. You like, fucking lose them in plastic. I didn't wrap it. It came in. I just opened the bag and you guys fucking. I'm like, bro, don't fucking <laughs> stop, all right? I can't tell the, the vibe of that room. If everyone was, like, groaning at us that didn't have a shirt. No, there was or... a weirdly positive vibe. I thought everyone hate us, and I was like, this is kind of cringe, isn't it? But then there was people who were generally like, we should get shirts or hats. I'm I like, heard that, bro. I heard that on my team as well. I was like, bro, you know how gay this is? I regret doing this. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Well, it's, I think it's time for us to move into our movie of the week. So, Jake, what are we watching? Well, uh, we've been on a bit of a, a Tarantino run in the show lately. And finally, it took a very long time to come out in Australia. We are watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So, Rick, uh, explain to the audience exactly what it is a stunt double does. Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood visits 1969 Los Angeles, where everything is changing, as TV star Rick Dalton and his longtime stunt double Cliff Booth make their way around an industry they hardly recognise anymore. The night film from writer-director features a large ensemble cast and multiple storylines in a tribute to the final moments of Hollywood's golden age. So, this once film, upon a time in Hollywood. This film right here. This is indeed a film. It's, uh, wow. Well, that's pretty much the general consensus I've gotten from anyone that's watched this film, really. Is it a film? It's, yeah. <laughs> that's the consensus. I mean, they're correct. It's on camera. It's They filmed it. They used the camera. They used film. They probably used film. They did use film. Yeah. I don't really know what to make of this film, guys. I walked away from it. I liked it. Yeah, but we shouldn't have liked it, I don't think. I said what? to my... Hey, Zeke what thinks we're giving him a pass because he's Tarantino. But I said to myself, if I am not, if I don't like this movie, I'm not going to fucking kid myself. I'm not going to say it's Tarantino mm. and make myself like it. I said, if anything in this movie happens and I don't like it, I'm going to be vocal about it. And at the first 10 minutes of the movie, I'm like, you know what? I think this movie's going to go nowhere and I'm going to not like this movie. But then I just liked it, and I liked pretty much everything in it. And it was like, fuck, that's why Tarantino gets good reviews, because he makes good movies. He makes good scenes. He does. That he loves his very scenes. Very loosely connect to make a theme, a film, rather. Very well. Also a theme. That is also true. Yeah, I mean, I, I went and saw it with you, Jake. Yes. In some very comfy seats. Oh, we shared out comfy seats for Hoyts. 20 minutes. Bro, chill out. <laughs> Should have, this isn't the comfy seat podcast, all right? Should have, should have shout out to uh, Hoyt's Millennium in Fremantle for its amazing seats. Garden City, pick up your game. Um, yeah. But no, honestly, watched it. Can say I sat back and enjoyed. I didn't really care for the runtime. It wasn't like over. I never felt bored. No. Or, like, I always felt like we were building something. And I think this film is the 
the ultimate sort of subversion of expectation. Well, you know, when I was watching, I've, I've watched a lot of films that sort of build and then don't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like Into the Wild, in a way, sort of builds and then he just sort of dies. But like, so we were watching Spoiler. this movie. Spoiler alert. Oh, oh watch, <laughs> uh, fuck, fuck off. All right. It's but, uh, 11 years old. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, so like, I think we got to like two and a half hours and I'm going, I lean over to Jada and I go, yeah, this movie's just going to end and nothing's going to happen. Like, this is the kind of, like, I was, yeah. I was expecting, like, this movie's going to end with no conflict and it's just, and the words once upon a time in Hollywood are just going to appear on screen out of nowhere. Mm. And, well, and it kind of happened. Yeah, a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah, I think you're in the, the ballpark-ish. Mm-hmm. Look, this film, it's, it's different from a lot of his other films. Um... It definitely doesn't have the same sort of insane ending that something like Inglorious Bastards has. It has the same ending as the end of Inglorious Bastards. Not really. Literally the same ending. I guess, yeah. I guess if yeah, you talk about... Of. Yeah, I, I forget that there's the bit with um, Christoph Waltz after all the stuff at the, the theatre happens. Doesn't Christoph Waltz get... He gets that Nazi uh, symbol, ah. the swastika, in his... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Engraved into his head, and it sort of ends with that sort dun, of like... Dun, dun. Yeah. How good is it? That soundtrack is so good. But, but I think this... Movie. Okay, but this film does something that uh, probably uh, even Inglorious Bastards like, does something different. It doesn't have that sort of... Inglorious Bastards has that middle bar scene, which is a bit crazy. Like, nothing happens and then it goes crazy. There's not... This film goes literally 90% of the way with... Nothing. Nothing. There's a moment in this film where it says six months later, and I was like, how can we do six months later? Nothing has happened yet. Like, I was like, you can't do six months later until something has happened and we can see something change. Yeah, and I think you're raising a valid point there. This film is really doesn't give a fuck about film conventions to, this a, film sen- doesn't give to a, fuck. a sense. It's like, you're either going to like it or you're not going to like it. I'm just going to make a film. It's like you just wrote the film and forgot to give it a story. But, like, the fact that there's no story is kind of a story. You know? I mean, I, there is a story. Okay. A, especially it. if you're talking story over plot and, like, those are two different things. Okay, there's, there's a, story. a story. It's not much sure. of a plot. It's it's definitely a more... I mean, because I, I haven't said it yet. I think my opinion on this film is a little bit sway because I've seen it twice. Okay. So I saw music on Saturday Flex. and I went to watch it again with Mel on Sunday. And I'm really glad I watched it that second time because I think you, you're right in terms of not, not a subversion of expectations. Mm-hmm. There was nothing in the trailers that made me think, like, oh, this is going to be a different kind of movie than what it really was about. And there's enough yeah. in there about... Uh, you know, Charles Manson and, you know, the, uh, the Manson family, I suppose, and those kind of connections, especially with Sharon Tate. And I do have issues with some of that stuff in the film. But the rewatching, I was like, there's enough in here. Because initially you go in and thinking, like, where, where is it? Mm-hmm. I think I think second time knowing kind of how the plot works, especially having done a bit more research on the whole thing. And yeah, like, I think I was in the same boat with music. I actually wasn't even sure if Rick Dalton was, like, an actual actor or not. That's why yeah. I, I told Zeke. I saw it before you guys, and I told. Uh, I said. I said to Zeke, just read up on the the period mm. and know what's going on because the story almost is. We're not going to show you the actual interesting stuff from this period. We're going to show you everything around it, and that's kind of the point of it. Like it's yeah. like it's about the people that exist around the interesting stuff. And then there's that sort of thing where it's like uh, an open discussion is that um, Sharon Tate's death was sort of the death of that era, that of golden Hollywood, of yeah. Hollywood. Um, it was like the end of the hippie era. Yeah, the end of the hippie era. It was, it, it was, it was at the turn the of... end of some hippie eras in this film. Well, it was at the, it was <laughs> at the turn wars. of a decade. Uh, like, this whole event takes place in 69, yeah. like the turn of a, <laughs> turn of a decade. Um, and, um, yeah, so it just hallmarks the sort of the end of that era. I mean, it's technically, it's 50 years ago. 
Yeah, I thought no, that. It literally. is exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, which, especially because I think it's what August the yeah final, the final third of this film is in August. I think. So. Pretty yeah. sure. Wow, good timing. Is that a coincidence? Probably not. Probably mm. not. That's why they waited a month. Oh, the Australian wasn't it August eighth? Wasn't it yeah. August eighth or something? something like that? So that might have been when it came out in America. No, it came out in like uh, mid July or late July. <laughs> Damn, son. Yeah. Why are we even doing this podcast? No one cares anymore. No, well, mm. yeah. The theaters were both packed. A lot yeah. of people will care about this film. This, I mean, I I don't know what to say too much about this film. I think when you watch the... Like, as a first-time watcher, you see only really one of the three, quote-unquote, you know, main characters really has, a, a, I guess, a, a story, I think. Like a... Like a character arc, they undergo an actual change or something happens. Sharon Tate literally goes to the movies, watches her own movie. Well, that's what I'm th- and think. And goes the, home. The point of her being in the film is to build the dread of knowing that she's going to die at the end. Yeah. So that's she's kind of just like the through line of the story. And well, as much she's, she's more of a symbolic gone. character. Yeah, and but that I understand. But then then I have the the counter to Brad Pitt. What does he really do in this film? It makes himself look like a fucking cool dude. He is literally the coolest character in, in film this year. He's the coolest yeah. guy on planet sure. Earth. Yeah, he's really cool, but he has n- really essentially nothing to I do. Mean, he's a, he's look, Rick Dalton's hype Yeah, I agree, because I've thought about it for a while. I was like, I don't necessarily see his... I'm sure there actually is something there. His character arc? In terms of an arc, but his relationship to Rick Dalton is actually very important. really important in this film. He's the yes. one who hypes him up to Maybe, but that's do his thing. essentially yeah. all he... Is is just a hype that, man. all he needs to be. That's his job is yeah. to literally make Rick Dalton look good. I guess, but then they say things man. where it's like, for example, uh, there's a scene between Leo and Kurt Russell, and Kurt Russell goes, uh, "No one likes him because they everyone thinks he's killed his wife, yeah. allegedly." And then it's like, but that's something that in most movies, if you give you, a, if I give you a character and go, "Oh well," he they would explore it a little bit, a little bit. Well, I think Not that's the point. Of- one cutback scene where it's like, that's oh, what this movie does. It, give, it presents you with a situation where you would expect something to happen or you expect them to go into it. And the story's like, yeah, but that's not what the story's about, so we're not going to. But is that good filmmaking or is that pretentious filmmaking? This is the line. That I think it's an interesting way to make a film is to just completely do the opposite of what you're meant to do. I mean, it's creating that- it's creating mystery around Brad Pitt's character because like it's it's like that for a lot of, you know, they tease that he's a war hero. You know, they tease that he potentially murdered his wife. And that was based on, I can't remember who the actor is, but it was a very specific actor. The... That- the- Stories the based on Leonardo yeah. one. It's about no, 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 the um, the Brad Pitt killing his wife. Oh, okay. That actual story is based mm-hmm. on an actor, and it's very same thing of like, oh, allegedly, but he got away with it. And even I mean, actually said that her, the wife's name is Natalie, and that is also the real life thing. The the real life wife who yeah. died is named Natalie. I can't remember the name of the actor it's referencing, but stuff like that builds I, uh, interest I, and mysterious. I guess, but I think the question I got to pose, and I'm saying like I actually sat there and enjoyed this film for three hours, but if we're actually talking about it as a film structurally and sen- like sense sensible wise it, it i think we're making too many allowances for oh well it's quentin tarantino so just cuz he's doing something no i think we're different. making allowances cuz it's like he's doing something different I, I don't think it has anything but to do with it. He's not doing him. it right. Though. He's doing it differently yeah. and wrong, but, but it's doing right it well. Do? I mean, there's rules, not not even rules, there's suggestions. You yeah, exactly. make the rules or you follow the rules. It's and not, then you break it's not them. the fact that Tarantino's so doing it, so we okay. give him a, It's not the fact that he's doing it, we give him a pass. It's the fact that it's being done well, where we're like, but, fine. But I think that's also, that's got to do with the people that are cast in this film, too. I think if you gave this film, if this film was made by someone who was lower, like a lower tier director, had less money. 
and not the star cast that he has of very talented actors, some of the world's best actors. Yeah, well, that's why you chose Then this though. film potentially... No, well, he chose these people because... they're amazing actors. And he knew because he Because he had access to them. Yeah, but he knew he needed these amazing actors to make the story work. Would this film have worked in 1992 when, you know, he made Reservoir Dogs? Uh, well, I don't know. If cast the same actors, though, what, what do you mean? No, well, he wouldn't have had access to those actors. Yeah, but he'd have access to he other access great to, like, Harrison Ford and stuff. Steve Buscemi. He's always had access to amazing actors. And that's why Reservoir Dogs and, and especially Pulp Fiction is so popular in the first place. Because this film's not that different to Pulp Fiction structurally. It's in chronological order, but the structure's really got some allowance. Yeah, two dudes. I mean, I think, I think he's. I mean, he's one of the best people that can turn seemingly mundane and pointless scenes into still entertaining showcases. Like Brad Pitt feeding his dog. Yeah. Well, yeah. Dude, there's some scenes in this movie where it's just like, they're still going, still happening. And like, they, like how I, I was saying, like, they would just cut to imaginary TV shows that they made. And it would be like 20 minutes of just watching a TV show. And you're just like, fuck yeah. Like, I, I would, I want, I want to know what happened to Bounty Law. I want to see what happened in season two of Bounty Law. You know, well, I mean, it, it, you know, it's funny on the first half of the the show, uh, Jack, you were criticizing BoJack Horseman, and it's hard not to draw. There are slight parallels in the sense yeah. that you're just looking behind the scenes of a lot of this yeah, stuff. But except one is a horse. But oh it's it's God. this yeah. it's the idea behind <laughs> What's it, the mate. Point? You're killing. Me. Okay, well, I mean, I think this is it wasn't the original cut of this film. 17 hours long. Yeah, it's vast. A lot of, a lot of people it's, got, no, it's meant to be four got hours the flick right. Well, they, they, they say he might do what he did with Hateful Eight in America. In America, when they put Hateful Eight on Netflix, he edited it into four hour long. Like, he got, like, that instead was very of, recently. Though. Yeah, instead of doing a director's cut, he edited it to a four-part series. So everyone's saying that when he gets Once Upon a Time to Netflix, he's going to edit it into like another four-part miniseries. So he okay. can have extended scenes. and like. Well, that's fair enough. I mean, I, I think it's that, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this film. I loved it. I mean, I still need to, I still enjoyed it. And I think that's just a testament to his writing ability and his team. I hated, I've said this to both of you individually, I fucking hated when DiCaprio looked in the mirror and he pointed it to the camera instead of himself. Because oh. I'm not retarded and I know how mirrors work. So it just took me out of the movie. I know you're looking at the fucking camera. I know you're not looking at yourself. He's yelling, you're Rick fucking Dalton. Why is he looking at me saying that? Why doesn't he look at well, that's, himself? That's you just criticizing an artistic choice. Yeah, because it's stupid. It, I know how oh, mirrors so that's work. that's stupid, but like... Being a horse isn't. <laughs> watching watching Brad Pitt feed his dog. That's not in... stupid because you actually do feed your dog. You don't, you don't look at yourself <laughs> in the mirror at a weird angle because you'd be looking at a fucking wall. I know he's not looking at himself, so it makes no sense. Unless it, it he points that mirror at another mirror and he's looking at himself in a different reflection. It didn't take me out. Okay, yeah. so I, I did have the same thought as you. Was like That's not how he, that works. Literally from his perspective, as an actor, he's looking at a, camera. At a crooked angle. But, like, but, I understand that, but <laughs> I, from a directing standpoint, I knew what they would do. Yeah, but you don't come into a 1960s show. You don't get rid of You don't throw sense out the window because you think it's a cool thing. You're like, oh, I'm. But it's, it's a small it's enough like, thing. No, it's too big. I, it ruined I, the entire I was thing. Able to put The it. fact that Tarantino's there, like, nah, it's fine. The meaning behind it's more important. When if if he wasn't Tarantino, the producer would be like, no, the audience isn't that fucking stupid. They're gonna tell you he's looking at nothing. You've never seen that trick in any other film before. And if I totally if I've seen it, if I've seen it in any other film, I probably would have laughed at it in any other film. I think it's so stupid, and it makes no sense. You guys keep saying, no, I like that because he's like yelling at us, but he's yelling, I'm Rick fucking Dalton. 
don't be an idiot. I can do this. It's not relevant to well, us. It's a fourth wall break. Yeah, but he's not talking to us. He's talking to himself about being a fucking idiot, and he's going to nail it this time. Yeah, but it's that self-awareness this film has. It carries itself. It would make sense if he was saying something the... more vague that would apply to the audience. Oh, come on. No, no. I, I just Literally, that's the only reason to do it. If he's, if he's looking in the mirror going, you're a... You're a fucking idiot. I can't believe you believe that shit. And he's talking to us when... This film is like a huge big wink to the audience. It's that the is definition of one. That's... Dude, but I, I can't a... believe you guys aren't angry at that as well. You got angry at the text in Infinity War, but you're not mad when someone looks at a mirror wrong? How, are you, guys, how are you guys fine with this? Though. No, but... No, but I... I mean, no, because it's it's just this huge like self aware. The whole thing is self aware. I'm aware that mirrors don't work like that. It's from like stupid. literally having Sharon Tate the like the entire film to be there. Like, ah, you guys know what's going to happen next. It's coming. It's coming, and then it doesn't come. It's like that's the whole point. Yeah, but that's just a character. She at least she knows how mirrors work. I'm saying, <laughs> I, don't, I just hate it. The mirrors don't work like that. Okay. Oh, okay. Let's move on to some other aspect of this film. It's not about fucking mirrors. Okay. <laughs> Um, the ending. Well, well, no. We can talk. We can talk about the ending because. Um, well, we can talk about the Manson Ranch part first. How that scene is. Brad I think that Pitt. scene is your underground bar scene. It, yeah, but, yeah, but it's the underground bar scene with no payoff because the underground exactly. bar scene ends with a shootout. This there's one a, is like a smaller payoff because he, yeah. be, he beats. He does beat up a hippie. But it does. That is the most. Him. Yeah, it does set up a horror been. scenario where he's in this horrible house and you're expecting him to get jumped at any moment. And then it's like, oh, it's fine, and he just leaves. It's it, like that, that's a lot of what this film is: is building up expectations and then being like, psych. Even the ending is like building up your expectation of this movie, nothing happening, and then it's like, ha, everything happens. Like even the ending is subverting your expectation to be like, you don't think I this don't is. Know. A- I at the end it was very obvious they were gonna like. Yeah, but you don't think they. Gonna- I mean, I was never disappointed by this kind of stuff. I wasn't disappointed either. I'm just saying the ending is very surprising because you've just watched a movie about people talking and just existing. And then he's like, yeah, and a very Tarantino ending, where you would not expect that kind of ending in this film. That's why the ending had such power, because you didn't see it coming, you know? I, I, know, I mean, I, I mean the, vi- the violent like outburst is obviously like very Tarantino-esque, which was nice change of pace, because this felt very Scorsese in this film for a very did, a lot of it, to yeah. be honest. Nah. I don't... But, um, I don't know. I, I saw... I, it's not that I saw it coming, but I wasn't expecting there to be no payoff sort of thing, because I wasn't disappointed by it prior to the rest of the I actually don't know where I sit with this film. I can't say I, I can't say I disliked it because I didn't dislike it. But at the same time, uh, I don't think I should have. I stand by that. I don't think I should have liked it as much as I I did. But I, I think it has. It's more of a testament to performances throughout the film. Is it a film I think I'll come back and watch when it comes out on DVD? Probably not for a while, to be honest. But that's that's me with a lot of Tarantino films. I don't tend to come back and watch them over and over again. I don't, I'm not a religious follower of any of his films. Uh, I've watched now, what, six of the nine? Yeah, the, same here now. Quote, unquote. And what ones haven't you seen? Jackie Brown and Death Proof? Or? And Kill Bills. Idiots. I bought um, Death Proof yesterday. Oh, that's, the only one, on that's the only one I ever yeah. seen. Or the other day, rather. But um, I'm excited for that. I think... I mean, it comes back to this is this is very much like I said. Yes, it felt a little, you know, like Scorsese directed a large portion of this film, but there is still very much Tarantino in here, and that, that, I don't think we need to go into the feet. I think he went a bit manic on the Bruh. feet representation. He was of this like film. the first hour, he was like, "Nah, I'm not doing feet anymore," and then the next, and the rest of the movie happened. He's like, "Fucking." 
feet. They're everywhere. dirty as dirty too. As well, like yeah. he told him to go for a run through like a forest and then come back. And they like shoving it right on the camera. My Robbie's and... one was the most confusing. She's in the the theatre and like she puts her feet up and they're still dirty. And, I, and I'm like, I you're thought... wearing shoes. I just think that's it's... a good yeah. Because you think the hippies would have dirty feet. That makes sense. But also at that point, but... I, was, I was so used to feet, I didn't notice her feet were up there until Jada said, "Grow." So feet are up there. I was like. <laughs> I was, I was like, oh, way to ruin this scene. Now all I see is a pair. How do you, I, like, they look like they weren't even her feet. There was like Actually, a stunt feet. That's a good point. The second time I watched it was very distracting. Oh, okay, here's, here's, here's my thing, though. We literally, we literally watched a woman watch her own movie. And love And this it. was like a good, probably 10 minutes of the film. Like, and cutting really back and forth. Spread out throughout the... And, that was and we story. still liked it. So what, what, what is... Because that was a nice, touching moment. Where she's watching herself and she's just like, well, everyone loves me. It's definitely a nice character kind of, oh, sneaky, like, oh, we're getting a sense. But I I still, look, I understand Margot Robbie's role in this film is very much just set dressing for the context of late 60s. And I also think she has kind of a... builds the tension to the end of the she film. She has a parallel story kind of to DiCaprio where he's unhappy with where his career is. And she's probably at the same level of career as her as him, but she's totally content with it. She's but loving nothing, it. Literally nothing happens. Like literally nothing happens. Yeah. Well, but she's she ends up being the ultimate character arc for DiCaprio, where she says she's a huge fan. He's like, oh fuck, I have, I have Sharon Tate Actually, is my you know fan. What? You know what? You know what? That's interesting because, like you said, uh, Zeke, Leo, Leo's really the only one with like a real clear, arc. a notable arc. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, one yeah, that yeah. You can actually see. And it's like, but his relationship to Brad is so important, and that's actually a really good point you bring, Jack, especially towards the oh? ending. With her letting him ascend through the, you know, the, the gates literal of gates <laughs> to walk up to meet, you know, this stardom power and mm. hopefully progress his career. That's a really good point. I still don't like that she had fuck all to do in this film. And I was giving, I was, the, I was the one who would put my hand and be like that reporter going off in Tarantino, line counting, you know, Robbie's role in this film. Like, get out of here with fuck, that. Is that shit. a thing? What happened? What's this? No, um, during the, I think it was after the the um, like preview screening. Uh, it wasn't a premiere. It was like an early screening, and and a reporter actually went up to Tarantino and said like, "Oh, um, Margot Robbie has like way less lines than her male counterpart." But also like, and just he very much dismissed it straight up. But he, she really does have fuck all to do with it. Yeah, but he could just though. be like, "Have you watched any of my other films? Mm. Like fucking Kill Bill, the main character, the badass fucking chick." Like, yeah. I'm not. He's like, he could be like, "Yeah, sure, I may be a mis- well, I may have done misogynistic things, but also like, I've I've made like one of the most iconic female." Action heroes. I, mean, I, I think I like on the sorry. show, I was I, I, I stuck my hand up and was like with Hateful Eight, because um, that film got a lot of scrutiny for its like violence towards women, and I, I sort of defended it because I felt like it's in the title. It's called the Hateful Eight. Yeah, you're yeah, not supposed people. to like yeah the eight people that this is like, and with the female in that film being penultimately the reason why all the other guys die. Penultimately means second. To last. Really? I'm a grammar Nazi. Penultimate, second to last. Ultimate, last. Yeah, ultimate is correct. Get off this podcast. This, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by I Penultimate. Mean, she is... She's still technically could be considered <laughs> you know, check and mate. Um, I'm trying to actually, yeah, I'm trying to save you here. No, it, she off, could. Yeah. I mean, because you could uh, like, she isn't, she is the last one to die on screen. Yeah, exactly. But is she the second last in real life? Probably because. Yeah. Um, Samuel Jackson's character is surely dead. He dies eventually. The, <laughs> yeah, the other dude might be fine. I can't remember how. He gets shot in the stomach, I think. Mm. So he could probably both dead. Yeah, probably dies dead. Anyway. What's, what's the third count of the pen ultimate? Tress ultimate. I learned something tonight. There we go. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I, I think that's wrong to go off because I think 
you hit the nail on the head. His clear intention with her character is to be like, you'll know what's going to happen. And he's kind of, you know, playing around with you, which is obviously a deliberate choice. I, I mean, don't know if I like it, though. I do. I like okay. it. It's because it's called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's meant to be like a fairy tale ending. Oh, well, it comes back to... But, Jake, I mean, d- you didn't expect Hitler to die at the end of Inglorious Bastards. Well, I had that sport prior. But also, what a time. great but You're way. right. I wouldn't have expected that. But that's a that's like a satisfying... Because you want to see Hitler die. <laughs> well, yeah. And you don't want to like... see Sharon Tate die. There you go. Check end, mate. Uh, 40 love. No, well, like, no, I don't. But I, I don't think she was built up as a character enough for me to even give a shit. That's why they didn't Within kill the realms of the film, of course. Like, about. Yes, I mean, she. there's some weird, like, establishing scenes with her. I think the, that's the weirdest part for me is she, like, there's this bit where the dude from Homeland is, like, describing <laughs> her relationship. Oh, she's pointing out. With, the... Is she's it a, a meal? A, you said it was a meal. Hirsch. She's, she's a free spirit. You know, she, she, like, has a weird with... sort of, like, love triangle between her ex-fiancé, oh, Roman Plansky, mm. and, yeah, and the chick really next to the... Homeland is, like, she's into short, nerdy dudes, basically. And yeah. and then that's it. And then we don't see, really, Plansky for n- most of the film. You don't really which... see Manson in this film, like, at all, either. Yeah, I don't know. Right. So I'm saying, yeah. this movie is about the stuff... That happened on the other side of the interesting stuff. It's like, yeah. you don't all want to see the, the Manson characters stuff. characters they made up for this movie. Well, I, I, I mean, people. as you said, after the film, when we saw it, Jake, it's like, I feel like Manson is definitely, he's just a film in his own right. You know, you don't want to have, like, that stuff take up too much time, I guess. But I guess... But that's kind of where we were building. I don't like the argument that we're building towards the death of Sharon Tate if we're not going to have the death of Sharon Tate. Watch this so that's version. a version of and, expectation. But here's the thing, because I'm actually I am actually wary on the details. So please, someone explain to me: does this is this changing history like in Glorious yes. Bastards did? Literally, the the whole because the time all the, the time she died at midnight that night. Okay, that's why so, they showed yeah. up to DiCaprio's house at midnight. That's why it became like a crime detective show. Yeah, that, yeah. I think that was yeah. the point. I actually of... really like that with um Kurt Russell. But it made that's another thing that made no sense that Kurt and Russell would be narrating. Yep, that. also agree. Like that's like the, there's a few moments like that. that should have been Samuel Jackson's yeah exactly voice because like, Tarantino um did the hateful eight narration yeah there's a yeah. few moments in this film where it's just like just it no should one, have been Tarantino no one narration. said no because of he could Tarantino have, well, he's already right. done it I guess but it would have been cool because it almost be like it's telling from his you sort of have anyone perspective. else have Uma Thurman do it who cares just have that someone else cool. in a Tarantino and that's her daughter at the end who runs away. Who's like, oh, I left my knife in the car. That's her daughter. And uh, and they're one of the Manson family is Kevin Smith's daughter. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. Harley Quinn. Fuck it. Yeah. Uh, I bet you're Kevin Smith's salty, like, fucking Tarantino's a good director and I'm a shit director. But they no, were he's like, proud. I've got, they them were both, the... I've got them both on Instagram. He's, uh, like, super, like, I just remember guys, guys, what is that Tarantino? Kevin Smith and Tarantino were, like, considered, like, the two, like, oh, the next generation of filmmakers, and then Kevin Smith became shit and Tarantino became a great filmmaker. Yeah, don't be so There's some great cameos in it. Tim Roth was cut, as stated in the credits. Yeah. Um, Tarantino is, I noticed it the second time I watched it, he is the guy who yells cut in the post credit scene. There's a post credit scene? Yeah. You missed the post credit scene! How'd you miss it? My lights came on in my cinema and I left. It's a three hour movie. I'm not sticking around for the a post credit. The credits are like short as shit. They're I didn't know that. Short. What happens? Yeah. Um, it's a, one of those like commercial ads that um, Rick Dalton does in uh, character. For, for cigarettes. Characters. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then Tarantino in the back yells cut. And it's very much like you have to know that Tim to recognize yeah. his voice. And then he like punches the the like stand up thing behind him he's like i got a double chin who put this here oh, okay and then that's like the end it's a cute little scene you should just find it on youtube or something like that well i mean that's pretty much all i have to say about all it I have to say. out of 10 
Um, well, we're oh, moving to highlight oh, scenes before yeah, we... Gosh, you guys have so many rules. Do you have any highlight scenes, Jack? Uh, what are my highlight scenes? Uh, the end fight with the goriness. It's a highlight scene. Love that. So cool. The flamethrower, my audience cheered. And then... When... Oh, I lost my mind when he walked out. With the Besides the Ramiro shot, when he's in his trailer, I was just screaming uncontrollably. I thought that was a good scene. Where he's just like... We've all been there. With <laughs> <laughs> some self-doubt. Yeah. Um, what are your favourite scenes, Luke? I know what you're going to say. Um, yeah, so my favourite scene is the... Um, it's like... I think it's like two or three minutes long. And it's just that tripod shot where it's uh, DiCaprio sitting down with the little girl. Meryl Streep. And which is apparently meant to be Meryl Streep. Um, like, and it's a... Real... Is that what it actually says on the No, 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 it doesn't. But she I'm played so... that character in a TV show. Oh shit! That makes so much sense. So that makes so much sense. I was trying to figure who it was. Yeah. Um. That's a really, really that's good scene movie. where it's and she, that little girl, whoever she is, just amazing. How many good She's child actors are there now? It's crazy. There actually are quite a few. Yeah. You're yeah what happened? <laughs> yeah. I guess no. just growing up with social media and stuff, they're more confident. And... Well, people stop watching the Disney Channel, so they actually have to start acting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe. Oh. No, that would be mine. That whole scene's brilliant, yeah. Um, and and the remember... follow-up from it with DiCaprio's performance. When he nails Oh, no, that's my highlight scene where he's like... So good. When he just nails it and the director comes up and like, that was great. And the girl's like, that was the best acting I've ever seen. And he seen. starts to cry. It's so wholesome. That's yeah, such a good scene. I love in the trailer that's a funny moment and then when you watch the film, it's, like it's actually like a moment. triumphant, <laughs> like, heartfelt moment. Yeah. I'm crying. I love that. Um, I got a couple favourite scenes. I want to I want to mention, I mean, the soundtrack is... Lit. It's pretty lit. It's great. <laughs> I like it. Um, what I want to talk about a bit is the camera work and my favorite shot in this film specifically, which reminds me of like the multi-plane Disney stuff that they did back in um, when they introduced that in. Oh God, what movie did they start doing in? Multi-plane Disney. No, it was like it was like a device they created when they could have like layers of different like backdrops in the animation. Okay. So when they like move the camera in oh, and yeah. out, there's like different kind of motions to like the hills and the stuff behind the hills and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that very much remind me of that in the shot when Leonardo DiCaprio is in the pool and his lines and the camera's on a crane. It's on a lot of cranes in this movie. Um, mm. It cranes down and this shot's in the trailer. It's sped up in the trailer, but camera uh, goes down from the, the rooftop to Margot Robbie and um, Roman Polanski leaving to the house. Oh party. yeah. Um, and that shot is brilliant because it reminds me of the multi-plane stuff. But um, it uh, that a bit adds to the fairy tale yeah. thing you were mentioning. That, I kind of got that vibe. It feels very Disney, like oh, it, like raises over the house. You see them. It's very, it's very nice. It's very, very, very Disney esque. You know. Yeah, exactly. I I, I really appreciate, it. and I think I love that shot. Um, a lot. I like any shot of them driving as well. Like, the driving's incredible. They're you know fucking what I think whipping it, it around. You know what I think it is? If you watch like Pulp Fiction stuff, there's a lot of driving scenes. I think Tarantino just loves driving scenes. Yeah, I know. You can tell. And he wasn't really allowed to do those in the last couple of films at Westerns. Okay. Oh, oh, so he's like, they're going to be so driving he's like, constantly. Right, we're back to cars. Let's go. Let's do this. Um, And the production design is also just incredible. Really good. Well. I know. When they're just, and that's another impressive thing about the driving. They can drive down the street for five minutes straight and the background is constantly... Like clearly, like like the '60s sets, like it doesn't look like CGI. Yeah, it's it really like good. they dressed entire roads. It looks like they did, and I got I sent you guys that B-roll footage of them doing that B-roll of them driving the, uh-huh. the streets, and it's it's just incredible what they did. It's pretty um, impressive. I'm trying to think of a, a specific scene I like that's not any of the ones you guys just mentioned, because that was a shot that I really thought was impressive. Um, I'm just taking a shout out to the ranch scene. I don't know if it's necessarily my favorite, but the tension in there was like excellent. And the way that scene ends with him beating the shit out of that hippie. 
fix yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> just like... And then even the shots of when the guy's on the horse out to chase I think him. your highlight scene is just Brad Pitt, right? Just being cool. It's literally just Brad Pitt being Brad Pitt. Maybe the parkour oh, scene. Oh, the, um, the, um, the, uh, oh, God. The parkour um, scene. No, when just... he's fighting in the parking lot with, um... Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee, that's, that's... it. Funny scene. Got a, lot was, of, got a lot of schmack. And that's like a one-er. Yeah, they hate that. Bruce Lee's daughter is like campaigning against this movie because of that scene. She's like, this disrespects my father. It makes him look... He never, he never would have said he could beat Muhammad Ali and then Quentin Tarantino's like, he literally said that. So he said that in, your, definitely very he said that in his biography, apparently. There's um, conflicting things about his representation in the film. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's just, a film. It's, it's, a par- it's, not, it's not really a parody, but... It, you could say it's a love letter to Hollywood. It's a, oh, look at that. It is a love letter, love letter to Hollywood, and um, I think at the end of the day, stuff like that, you're bound to get that. Mm-hmm. I think it was a, a bit more focused on the Sharon Tate respectfulness. Yeah, it was going for, but um, I don't know. I guess my overall impression, like I said, I'm glad I watched it twice. Otherwise, I would have sat here being way more picky about the narrative structure because mm-hmm. I I understand that completely, Zeke. I think you're right. This film is really pushing the limits. We walked out being like, "Has he gone mad with this one?" Yeah, we were asking that, and it's been on my mind. All day until I rewatched it, and I was now that I knew well the turns and twists and stuff were going. I was like, I can kind of dig this. I feel that's what I need to do with Guardians Volume Two. Oh, I only watched no, it thanks. once, and I really didn't like it. I hate like, that if movie. I watch it again, I might like it a lot more. You should. I give this movie an eight point five. I really liked it. I give it a rating. I probably give it an eight, maybe a seven point seven five. <laughs> the bands, mate. That's your go-to. Uh, yeah. No worries. Well, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is currently out in cinemas near you. Um, near you? Go check it out. Is it actually near you? Well, relatively near. Every people, right? Depends how far you're willing to drive. No I've worries. I've never got that saying, like, the in the view of the new you. It's like, well, that's a bit, a bit of a general assumption, isn't it? Well, Jake, new in cinemas this week, near you. Uh, oh, you've, you've got it up before I me. I do. You uh, sneaky peep. Yeah. Nothing. So we have... Nothing. It, you're not... It's you're not so far weird. off. It's pretty slow for the rest of the uh, year. Yeah, Angel has fallen, so the oh. third oh, film... Oh, I've seen this everywhere. Um, in Gross. the Gerard Butler Takes on the World trilogy. They're looking like some bad ones are coming out. Good Overcomer, boys. which Gross. looks like a terrible kind of sports movie, like one of those like C movies. What a bad name. Um... The Australian Dream, which looks like something to do with Adam Goods, but I don't think it's the final. Yeah, it's court. a documentary about Adam Goods. Okay. There are two of those now, apparently. Uh, the Battle Roar to Victory, uh, which not sure looks like a foreign film. Um, Weathering with You, which is a foreign animation. Bro, these all suck. Um, and that's pretty much all she's got. Uh, Iris, a space opera by Justice. Fuck off. Who knows what that's, that is? That sounds like a Jane Smith album. <laughs> that was actually. All right, Jack. I what was are... I was just saying. Um, well, we were just saying how there's really only like one movie per month that's like coming out to grasp us. You I'm got, more um... I'm more excited about Blu-rays that are coming out in the no, at this point oh, than movies. No, I don't. Like, you got it two next month. You got um, Joker in October. You got Jojo Rabbit around. Jojo Rabbit. Around. Um, Knives Out. I mean, I think me and Jack. Are... Yeah. Well, even that 10 seconds of Joker footage before Once Upon a Time in Hollywood made me so excited. I, I love like, the aspect ratio. It's so grandiose. Oh, it looks chills. It chills. It's real good. I haven't been this keen for a superhero movie in like ages. Superhero. Can you really call this a superhero movie? Though? Joker is exactly. my favorite superhero. I like, I like the meme that's going around of um, oh, uh, Joker in the 80s is like, like falls in a pit of acid and then Joker today is just society. Relatable. <laughs> like, Hashtag relatable. Yeah. 
Well, fair enough, Jake. What are we watching next week on the show? Right, so this is a suggestion I've made. We're getting a bit off course in this one. But we're going to go with it. And I'm going to try and pronounce this one because it's not an English title. It's I think it is English. It's just weird fucked up English. <laughs> <laughs> so, Zeke, next week we're watching Kylie Scassi. Drawing its title from the Hopke word meaning life out of balance, this renowned documentary reveals how humanity has grown apart from nature. And I'm going to leave it at that, Zeke, because you don't really know what the stock is about. Nope, I do not know a single thing about it. I've suggested it. I want you to kind of just watch it and hopefully you'll figure out, I guess, what, 10, 20 minutes in, something like that, you'll figure out what we're dealing with, I suppose. I just want to get your take on it. Okay. Because it's, it's one of the most, like, poetic, interesting, renowned docos out there from 1982, I believe. So, um, and I would absolutely love to talk about this. So, yeah. Jack, you've seen this? It's literally giving me anxiety, you talking about it, because we had to watch it in high school. I did too. And it feels like a very high school movie to me, so it's like, ugh. Yeah. Well, I, re- I rewatched like, chunks of it a few weeks ago, and I was like, this is incredible. So. Well, no worries. Thank you for joining us for the Cinema Sideshow podcast. I was Zeke. I was Jake. And I was Jack. And we'll catch you next week with... Oh, God. Dovskogeski. Koroskatsi. Koroskatsi. That's what I was going to call it. It's probably wrong. Bye, guys. <laughs>